Hi, I'm Tim Marlowe, the Artistic Director of the Royal Academy of Arts in London. You're listening to a podcast from our events programme recorded live in the new Benjamin West Lecture Theatre. Good evening. Welcome to the Royal Academy. My name is Kira Milmo and I'm one of the adult learning programme managers here at the IOA. Um, we're delighted to um, welcome you to tonight's event, um, which is on behalf of the Royal Academy of Arts and London Original Print Fair, with acclaimed artist Sir Peter Blake for this year's annual London Original Print Fair talk. Um, one of the founders of British um, pop art, Peter Blake is renowned for his iconic album covers for the Beatles, Paul Weller, The Who and Oasis, amongst others. He has exhibited internationally and his work is represented in art collections throughout the world and we're hugely privileged to have him here this evening. Um, tonight, Peter Blake will be in conversation with Helen Roslin, director of London Original Print Fair and author of the Royal Academy publication, A Buyer's Guide to Prints. This year is the 34th year that the London Original Print Fair is at the Royal Academy, and it's on this weekend until Sunday. Um, Peter Blake and Helen will also be joined by Dr. Karina Paraman, Professor of Design, Colour and Print, and Director of the Centre for Fine Print Research at the University of the West of England in Bristol, and they'll be discussing in more detail Peter Blake's new project, Ways of Making. Um, so without further ado, please join me in welcoming Sir Peter Blake, Helen Roslin and Karina Paraman. Thank you. Good. Lovely to see so many of you here. And I'm not surprised, because like you, I'm a huge fan of Sir Peter Blake. So it's a great privilege to be here in conversation with him. And as Kira said, the London Original Print Fair, which is on at the moment here, is in its 34th year. Now, I'm a junior. I only joined in year, two, in year three, so I've only done 32 years. But, but Peter was there at the very first fair. And I'm delighted to say that most fairs, you make an appearance, don't you, Peter? Yeah, I think we missed a couple, but we've been to most, Yes, yeah. I think you have. And bought things. And bought things, exactly, because what we know is that Peter is also a great print collector. I was lucky enough to be shown some of his works. But one of the things about Peter is that he has also, he's so generous with his time, and all, over the whole history of the fair, um, he's... It, it, he led numerous talks and tours for people, for special, special groups. He's got involved in charity projects. And last year, you lent us your wonderful fine art bus, didn't you, with CCA Galleries, yep. to do printmaking workshops because it was a bank holiday. Um, so you really have been incredibly generous with your time, and we're very grateful. And this year, we're delighted that with CCA Galleries, um, Peter is launching his new project, which is a very exciting one, Ways of Making, which we will talk about later. Yeah. But, and there we are, this is, the, this is the germ of Ways of Making. Which, and here we are. I thought this, I had to include this because this is a photograph taken at, at our opening on Wednesday, Peter and Chrissy, his wife. And that, I just think that's lovely. Anyway, you have been a feature of the fair for many, many years. And before we sort of end up with ways of making, I thought we would all like to talk a little bit and hear a little bit about where, how you have got here and what you've done and how you started. So I've chosen this particular image because yeah. it's sort of the start for you in a way, isn't it, that kind of era? It, it, yeah, it's always useful, I think, to, to go through a, a, a brief history of my education um, because I was 
at the end of the Second World War, I, I was 13 and came back from being evacuated and went straight to art school. Um, I, I got a, an interview at Gravesend Technical School um, with no intention of going to art school. I, my direction would have been, um, you know, my dad was a, an electrician, so my direction would have been to have gone into the building trade. Um, and at the interview, they said, the art school is part of the technical school. If you want to go to art school, you can take an examination and go to art school. So at the age of 13, I went to junior art school for three years, then did the old intermediate examination, which um, had, was the, in 1950, which was the last year that an examination that had been going since Victorian times that's the year it ended, so I had an incredible general education in the arts. Um, and then I did, um, you had to decide whether you went towards fine art or, or commercial art. And I wanted to go towards fine art and be a painter. Was recommended um, not to do that, to, to be a commercial artist, because I would make a living. Um, so I, I did the commercial art course for a year, the National Diploma, Tried for the Royal College as a commercial artist, I'm mean, a graphic designer, but it was called commercial art then. And so Robin Darwin saw my portfolio and accepted me to the painting school, which was, so, so I then did national service for two years. So I arrived at the Royal College in 1953, never having been a painting student. So in a way that explains um, why I do the what I do, yeah, the two sides. Practice. So that's the background. And yes. this would have been done at Gravesend um, as part of that commercial art course. They probably, they would have said, design a poster um, for a circus. So it, it would have, the, if it was finished, it was Lord George Sanger's circus. And that would have been in the late 40s, 48, yes, 49, yeah. And, and one of the things you told me about the Gravesend course that you did was that it was very focused on craft and process. Absolutely. Which I think is really interesting. With, with the intermediate always... at that point, you, you did um, life drawing, costume life drawing, and for that, you, 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 it was a time when you'd get an Italian family who were professional models who would arrive with all their costumes and you could, they'd say, what do you want today? Do you, you want gypsy or do you want and they dress up so, so it, it was old school yeah. and and then we did silversmithing woodwork architecture anatomy perspective um you know, it was a really good general education yes yeah. and a real study of lot, lots of different ways of making absolutely why, yeah you know, it's yeah. interesting i think and so that that lay dormant and we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll will, come we will be revisiting yeah, that yeah. um and then this, we move on here, and I love this because you can see the subtle use of lettering that appears in so much of Peter's work, actually, when you look closely. And this is more your Royal College This This 54-ish, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Um, and so Royal College, yes, you got in as a painter, despite a pa having been told to, to learn how to <laughs> earn money. <laughs> And then, oh, so this is interesting for me because this was your first published print, am I right? Yeah. And the, so how did you come to well, in, this? Well, in the 60s, um, you, when there was a great print boom, I wasn't involved with it. You, um, David Hockney and Kitai, Eduardo Palazzi and Richard Hamilton, and you, nearly everybody were making lots of prints. 
and, and I didn't really get involved in that. Um, but the, uh, the Institute of Contemporary Arts published a portfolio of 20 prints and Gordon House um, kind of controlled it and Kelpra Press, um, Chris Prater, um, who was a commercial um, silkscreen um, printer at that point, he printed them. I mean, when I went to visit him in a cellar somewhere in King's Cross, he was printing soap packets, literally, silkscreen. So, so this was the first print um, a silk screen, and that was a portfolio of 20 prints by different artists. And then there was a gap, and then I did um, the Alice in Wonderland portfolio, um, yes, yes, which we have an image um, of. Maybe. That's a bit... Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so these were eight watercolours, um, not necessarily intended to be prints, um, but um, I made them as prints with... Chris Prater, and I imagine most of you here are interested in prints because you know, that's why we're here. But Chris invented a, a new way of, of printing which took the, the trichromatic colours and, and he, he printed um, the yellows first, so there was almost no ink at that point, going through the colours until eventually, finally, when you were doing the darker colours, you actually had a physical build-up of paint. Mm. You're like a little kind of ridge of paint, which was an interesting development in printmaking, um, and he kind of invented that. Yes, and sort of making... Because, as you said, you know, screen printing was really used for printing soap boxes and all sorts of things. It was rather looked down upon. Oh, at the totally, start, at the it? beginning. Well, yes. and, and by, uh, you know, in italics, real printmakers. Yes. I mean, yes. it may be... It probably isn't anymore, is it? No, I, mean, I, I, the, I don't not. think there's a, no, a wood engraver... Somewhere in Somerset, still yes. angry. <laughs> there was angry about screen printing. <laughs> I mean, there might be. But... <laughs> there might be. But no, no, it's very much revered. And actually, if you watch the screen yeah. printing yeah. process, as you say here, yeah. it's, it's a question of subtle layering of colours to produce the final effect. Um, but I think we have to skip back to this, Peter. <laughs> we won't dwell on it for too long, but it is the image um, that we all know and which has become the most iconic album cover ever, really. Um, and this was the 60s, so this encapsulates what you were doing there. But, you know, this wonderful sense of humour that comes over in so much of your work. Well, uh, um, at, at this point, uh, I either get kind of grumpy about it, um, <laughs> but Chrissy has told me tonight not to get grumpy. <laughs> so, so, so I, um, I mean, what, what happened was that... Uh, I'll talk about it for a couple of minutes. Yes, just, exactly. Yeah. Um, the... The Beatles had had a, a, a record cover already de designed um, by a, a, a company called The Fool of Simon and Marika, who were Dutch graphic designers. Um, they, they worked out this concept that they wouldn't be touring anymore as the Beatles, but as a kind of joke, they could tour as somebody else. So they invented Sergeant Pepper. So um, at that point, the gallery I was with was Robert Fraser. And he was a friend of the Beatles, and he said to them, why don't we try something else and use one of my artists um, you to, to do a cover for you? I mean, it could have been Patrick Caulfield or Howard or many people, um, but he proposed that I did it. Um, and then we, we had meetings, and they had the uniforms made. And, and my main contribution was the idea of a crowd um, 
you had made work right from the beginning about crowds. You know, some of my early collages were circus um, and you, you'd get the act going on and then a red and blue strip which was the ring side and then the crowd would be made up of whatever I had you know it might be something Victorian engravings or something cut from the newspaper that day um, so this was a, a continuation of the crowd idea and, and it wasn't a collage it was it was built in the studio and their life size so all those heads were, um, were made life-size, flat, nailed to the wall, and then uh, there were one or two waxworks. I thought it would be amusing for the Beatles to be in the audience for Sergeant Pepper. Yes. So they're standing to the left. Sonny Liston is the boxer. I'm pointing here because yes, I can we, see the screen. Here, so <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, um, and, and so that's, that's how it, yes. it evolved, yeah. And I loved what you said about it at the time in an interview that really you wanted to make the sort of cover that people who like pop music would understand and enjoy. And that's, that's well, so much of what well, you've that, done. That really. quote really was, was kind of about pop art. Mm -hmm. you, you, what mm. I wanted pop art to be was um, that you, you read the art in the way that you listen to music. Mm. I mean, that really was that particular quote. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which it seems to be so much of what you've done all the way through. And in fact, coming back to this ways of making, it's trying to involve... But well, we'll, we'll leave that for later. Well, <laughs> what, stick to the prints for now. Well, what, what happened then was, um, at the end of the 60s, you, uh, I, I think Alice was probably early 70s, mm. but, uh, but in, in, in the mid-70s, I suddenly became interesting, interested in returning... You, a part of um, the intermediate was, was printmaking, so I'd, I'd done lithography, wood engraving, etching, and, and a whole range of, of prints then. I'd sampled it. I, mean, I only did three lithographs because Gravesend School of Art didn't have a lithographic department, and we were bused to the Medway schools, and, and the teacher there... Um, all I ever did was ground the stones. You know, the lesson was to be able to grind a lithographic stone. And, and he never let me do any lithographs. So I did, I did three, I think, little right. ones. But I wanted to, re, I wanted to go back and, and, um, and, and re, revisit printmaking. So I got a book on wood engraving and, and reminded myself um, how to do it. And then I, um, I've told you the story before, but... Um, I, I, I didn't have any tools, so I looked up where, where I could get tools, and there was a wonderful man called Mr. Lawrence. I mean, any of you here, here are wood engravers would know Mr. Lawrence, but he, he supplied all the material for wood engraving in, in, a, in Bleeding Heart Yard in um, Covent Garden, and you had to make an appointment, and it was a very Victorian building. It was like the set at the end of Oliver, you know, you kind of climbed a rickety staircase, knocked on the door, which I did. Um, I, I went in, and he was in this tiny office with his back to me, um, and didn't turn round. So I, eventually, I kind of <coughs> coughed a bit and got his attention, and he turned round, and I, I introduced myself and, and said, "You, I'd like to um, take up wood engraving. Can you?" can you advise me on what tools I should buy? And he, he glared at me and said, this is a shop, not a school. <laughs> and he turned away. 
and wouldn't serve me. So, so I thought, what, what do I do? And, and um, thought, well, the, uh, I know. I said, can I have one of every tool you make? And, and he said, you, don't, you won't need them all. And was about to tell me. And I said, no, no, I want every tool you make. So I bought the most incredible set of wood engraving tools and wood cutting tools. And I've never made a wood cut. Um, and I've got, I've got chisels that go from a sixteenth of an inch to an inch. I mean, I've probably got the best set in the world of, of wood cutting tools. Anyway, so, so I'd got the tools and I had a regular order for blocks um, from him. So I've also got an incredible collection of kind of eight inch by 10 wood engraving blocks, which are beautiful. Um, and then I did this, just this one portfolio. Um, I did an image um, for Bernard Jacobson, which we'll talk about. But um, th I did this portfolio called Sideshow um, as wood engravings. And, and I then, um, then I wanted to do, um, well, th the story about Bernie is that he, he there, did, there he is, bless him. And that was this year, so I yeah. just thought it was rather nice to think of that long relationship. Well, he, he published a, a, a beautiful set of prints called, called The Giant Prints, that were enormous. I, I think mine was called Studio Tackboard, and it was a kind of collage of things. And, and I thought, um, I had the idea that he should make a, a set of small prints. So I don't remember this story, but he told me the other night, he came into the gallery one morning and there was a letter on his table saying, the dwarfs of Mayfair are angry with you because you've made a giant print and they want a, a, a print of small prints. So I don't remember that at all. But, but out of that, you came the idea of this tiny little um, Perspex box of miniature prints, which is exhibiting in, in, in the yes, fair. Yes, yes, on um, Bernard Jacobson stand. So, so, that, so that, that was the first wood engraving. Oh. But the, 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 we'll move on to etching. Yes. Um, and and what happened, um, I, I wanted to, um, to start some etching again. So um, Alan Christia, who I was making prints with at that point, um, <coughs> suggested that he sent me to Paris to work with the Cromelink brothers. Now the Cromelink brothers as teenagers in the south of France printed all Matisse's prints and all Picasso's prints, including the most incredible print where they, they printed a hundred small plates which they inked up and printed up in one print. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary. Yes, I don't yes. know, it must be a very limited edition. Yeah. So there were master printmakers, and I had three visits to Paris. The first one, um, Aldo Crumbling, taught me how to use the tools, reminded me, or literally taught me. The second week later, um, I, um, I just played with plates, and he did, what he did with Matisse was that he laid out 20 plates and Matisse went along and, and drew what he wanted on each of them. And then he'd say to Aldo, we'll print that one, that one. And then they'd print those, and then he'd say, no, throw those out, we'll keep these two. And then he'd do it again. So, I mean, he was, as, as I played with the plates, he was waiting to print them. So within minutes, really, you, he, he'd etched them and printed them, and you were seeing a proof. And then I went back for a third visit, 
and did a portfolio. Um, when I first went, I'd been reading a book called James Joyce in Paris. So all the images were taken from that book. So, so that's um, Ezra Pound, I think, and James Joyce. Um, oh, and a funny story was the first, um, the first visit, um, the day I arrived, um, he, he said, come upstairs and we'll have lunch. And um, there was Aldo and his wife, and, and a, a kind of middle-aged, um, rather pretty woman with no, no makeup on, um, called Katie. And um, we talked for the whole of lunch about our children and this and that. And then when we went back down to work, I said, who, who was that? And he said, oh, that was Catherine Deneuve. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hadn't known it was Catherine Deneuve. Any, anyway, that's by the by. So, so I, I covered um, wood engraving and etching. And I, I've done very few etchings. Oh. I've done a few more recently of tattooed people. Um, um, and that, that kind of leads towards ways of making. Yes, it does, yeah. doesn't it? Because you're revisiting all these techniques. No, I'm always surprised you haven't done more etching, actually. So beautiful. Oh, and then we come on to this very um, great image. But this is really about your time at the National Gallery, which was in the mid-90s, wasn't it? Yes, 94 to 96. Um, and the show was in 97. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think you, you reminded me that I was doing this picture anyway, and then I was offered the, um, it, it's called Madonna of Venice Beach, and the, the, um, the, the Madonna, it was a series where the idea was that the Madonna somehow was back um, as, a, as, a, as a, a being, but nobody could see her. So it, there were, um, you said people were all around her, but no one, so she was a yes. kind of ghost. So in this one, You've got a Madonna look-alike, roller skating, and Madonna, the Madonna, and then the, the nude figure suspended is, is Madonna. Yes. Is, is Madonna all, all the singer. Um, yes, I just and, that, and that led on to yeah, the... Yeah, that led on to yeah. so a series of wonderful work that you did actually in homage to... Yes, there's one of a cyclist isn't it, yes, riding past yes. the Madonna fe feeding the baby there's Jesus. There's the detail, because that's... I had to look it up. It's Dirk Bouts, yep. the Madonna, Virgin and Child. But, and then that sort of was the whole series that you walked, you, you told me you walked all the way through the galleries at the National Gallery when you got yeah, there. Um, you, yes, it's not about printmaking, but we no, can talk about... No, yeah. quickly, we um, should, very quickly. Well, well I, um, I was called by Colin Wiggins, who, who was my kind of mentor at, at the National Gallery, and w would I like to be artist in residence, which was to, to be there for two years, have a studio, and the object was to make a body of work about the collection. So um, I, I said, I, no, I don't think I can, I don't think I've got, I can't make time to do it. I can't take time out. And I put the phone down and I thought, come on, that, <laughs> what have you just done? And I, I, um, I called straight back and said, yeah, I'd love to do it. Um, <laughs> and and I, so I had a studio for two years and, and um, what you've just reminded me is, you. Um, I, I went to the National Gallery and I walked through every, every room. I didn't look at every picture. I mean, some I glanced into <laughs> and um, walk, walked on, but um, and picked up some ideas. I mean, the first picture I did was, was called um, a Rhinoceros in uh, yes. Venice Beach, I think, yes. wasn't it? And it was based on the, the Longhi painting of a rhinoceros. Mm. And, 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 and did all kinds of, um, there were 10 pictures of the, 
the prettiest women at the, at the National Gallery. Um, and you know, one was the, the very old Rembrandt, um, old woman by Rembrandt, and Queen Christina by Holborn. And I just focused in on, and painted the faces kind of life-size, but really tight in on the face. Mm. Yes. And I think, um, I don't know what I, well, now we're coming on to ways of making, but I wanted to just, um, because Marco Livingston wrote a wonderful monograph on your work, and this came out later, but one of the things he said about you is the astonishing variety of Blake's work comes from a single and very clear sense of purpose, that of investigating as many different ways as possible of making art. And that was back in 2009. So it's obviously been bubbling away, this whole idea of a project of ways of making, hasn't it? Yes, I think the way it actually emerged, I mean, you know, as, as I've said, you, I, I, in making those prints, I wanted to, to go back. You know, I wanted to repeat myself and do it again. You know. um, but um, what happened in this case, I, I, I spent um, 28 years illustrating under milk wood you the Dylan Thomas play. Um, and, and one line in, in, in Under Milkwood is, is this line, from one of the finger bowls, a primrose grows. And it doesn't relate to anything else, it's just a kind of description of, of, of the room at that point. Um, and it was such a beautiful line that I, and I happened to have this primrose in that bowl on, on my work table. So I photographed it from all around, and that, you know, that was that. And then, because I had this, this kind of group of different versions of the same thing, I thought, well, that would be interesting to, to, to do it by, by making them in, in different ways. So the, the first one, yeah, I did an oil painting, an acrylic, a pencil drawing, and it's gone on, um, and now there are about 60 different ways. This, this one yes. is... Um, oh, sorry, the last oh, that's one. that's all right. Yeah. Well, this one is an inkjet, of a watercolour, so I did a watercolour of it, and then an inkjet um, of it. And, and as we evolved it, um, and you, you became involved, didn't yeah, you? Because yes. Ed, Ed Pierman, who, who I work with um, at, at um, Wharton Hall, I, I can't work a computer, but I, I work with Ed, and he can do for me what I want to be done, and he's brilliant. Um, so he, I think he visited you, didn't he, in yeah. Bristol, and, and suggested that you might be interested in, in picking up on some of the ideas. So, so although, I mean, last week I was making um, a silver point. Well, I mean, I, anyone in this room ever made a silver point? Probably, have you? Well done. Um, <laughs> but but it, it's a kind of um, quiet medium. There aren't too many people. Um, who, who, who couldn't do it. So, so I'm, I'm still making all these things, but we've become involved with, with you at Bristol. Yeah. And um, you've, you've, well, you can, um, yes, we, we join can join in. Oh, well, well, this one yes. actually isn't you, is no, it? No, it's not you. Well, let's go to the last no. one as well. Yeah, this because one. this is done by, um, this is made in India um, um, by a, a, a a factory that makes all the all the th beaded things you see in high fashion um, are made. Most of them are made at this factory in India. So in the exhibition, it is a beaded version, and this is their version of an embroidery. 
but your department has picked up on, well, you can take over. Well, we, we specialise in that sort of crossover between the analogue and the digital, and when um, each year we have an Open Doors event, and it's quite often through the Crafts Council um, in September, and Ed has been coming um, quite, a, quite a few years, and we have our own artist editions anyway. But um, he saw a painting machine. It's a robotic painting machine. And I think he thought, oh, this would be a good idea for Peter. And, um, and so we were set a task of creating a, a primrose with this painting machine. But from, from, our, um, from the centre, the research centre, um, and there are some members in, in the audience who are, are here tonight from the, from the CFPR, and we're very much this sort of crossover between the digital and analogue. And we've been um, in production for about 20 years uh, in that relationship between sort of the materials and pigments, developing new processes, but our feet very much firmly in the, in the photomechanical with Fox Tolbert, so 19th century photomechanical processes. Um, and looking at the quality of the image, so very much about image quality, and uh, and I think that's how we we kind of we uh, created this whole new 21st century body of well, work. You, you you turned the first time we met, you, you turned up <laughs> with your team, and one of them was holding a carrier bag, and he took out this kind of rickety little kind of Meccano machine. And, and, it, and, and did something, and it had a biro, and the biro started to do a drawing of, of, of the primrose, and, which was a miracle. And <laughs> you've also, you've, you've done a painting, haven't you? Yes. And th this is a 3D printout. Yes, this, uh, this is This is your version of it, isn't it? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't repeat, I mean, you couldn't reproduce. It exactly, obviously. Well, the I think with the same with any any mechanically produced um, print, then there are always going to be some variances, and I think that's the whole thing about printing. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you're you're very much at the you know and that relationship between a digital file and then how that file is then output to a machine, uh, and and also something which is a three D printed. Primrose, then there could be all sorts of variances because it's a, there's the material qualities then have an impact I've on the way AB Foundry whether they can do a, a, an actual bronze of it. Ah. So they're, they're thinking about it. Oh, good. It'd be, be hard to do. Yes. The, the, in the exhibition is, is, is the original Primrose, which is now, of course, just a couple of little kind of brown sticks. <laughs> but but the, the bowl is there with, with yes. the dirt kind of dried away from the edge of the bowl and this but um, oh these are some of them yes, yes. from the uh, the blue one at the top for instance is, is a, a ceramic tile and we've we've had a stained glass made of it which is beautiful that's the painting the, the six images are the um the painting machines version yes yeah, so the, the one on the left oh, that, side that, is the painting yeah. machine yeah and then the, we have a whole range of different variations of the primrose made by a painting machine. Um, and then the bottom left-hand corner is, I think, similar to the robot that we yeah. bought. Uh, and you can just see a sort of a half-tone uh, uh, robotic drawing. Um, the one next to it in the bottom is a jacquard tapestry. Uh, 
And the next one to that is an RGB print. So it's sort of print using uh, mica in interference uh, pigments, which is on black. So it sort of mimics the idea of your, your phones or your computers. Uh, and as you say, the top one, which is with Burley, which is a, a potteries uh, up in Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah. And that's quite an exciting it project. It might go into manufacture. Oh, I really hope so. Well, well I, I noticed, though, that Ralph Lauren has just produced, yes. uh, so maybe they, they picked up on that and maybe they won't pick up on it. But. I think what's quite nice is that, and, and the Burley uh, project is a particular example, is that we have this sort of industrial collaboration as well, and a lot of these um, products or um, uh, prints are as a result of industrial and scientific collaboration, and, and Burley is, is an outcome of, of, of that. It's like, it's like ripples on the pond, really. Have, have I told this story, or was I just telling you uh, about the visit to the school? Have I said that? No, you haven't. No. Well, Chrissy and I went to a school, an art school in the north of England. We did a visit. Um, and every student was working on the computer. Um, there were, there were, nobody was drawing, nobody was painting. There, were, there was a, a tiny adult art class of old people um, painting in one of the rooms, but literally every student. So in a way, you're from this, you know ways of making apart from a computer. You, um, you have thrown this stone into the pond and it's getting, bigger and bigger, and I, I hope when, you, when I have to stop doing it that someone might pick up on it. And, and of course, it's, it's, it's forever, because there'll always be things invented. There'll always be new ways of working. The top right-hand one is a push-out that you can make a little paper, but we haven't done it yet. Have you done we it? We have. We've, have you? People, people have been making we them. We can do it. <laughs> well, I didn't really try, but I gave up on, on, on looking. So this has been a project that your students have taken off, is it a lot, or um, no, not yet? No, um, not, not yet. Um, this, the, all, the, all the sort of the, the, the prototypes that you see are um, staff at, at the, mm -hmm. the centre and some um, PhD students as well. So, and I think the, the metaphor of the primrose means that you know, people are, are, are it's capturing their imagination and through... The, you know, the, the different faculties in, in the university means that they think, oh, well, no, we can, we can make a primrose in, in, yes. a, in a different material or a different medium. And I think and that's I the really exciting oh, bit. I hadn't really thought, you know, that it, it, it almost is a kind of metaphor for birth, isn't it? It's yeah. one of the earliest flowers in the year. Yes. And, and it's always a joy to see primroses, isn't it, in the country when you, you think, well, spring is here now. And, and they're quite robust as well, because you think, well, you know, they, they spend all this time, um, uh, you know, in, in the ground, and then they have this amazing way of spreading it. Uh, yes, they do. That's a very good so Absolutely. What's we've got happen. to about 60 now, I think. Yes, 60, uh, we've but... got 60 on show ups. Uh, oh, there are, aren't there? Yeah. Yes, I think and, so. And there are more. Well, more you brought more, didn't you? We, did, we yes. didn't. You couldn't put them all in. So most of the ones upstairs have prototype one out of one. So well, the idea, yes, the idea is that the ones done by hand, um, you, there's only the one of you. I wouldn't want to sit and do you know, an addition of oil paintings. So, so I, I thought of the idea prototype. So written on. Shall we put one back up? Uh, yes. Sorry, I'm giving you the thing. Backtracking a bit. So, so they all say. Yes. 
Uh, they all yeah. say prototype one of one. So, so that will stay as a set, um, and, and they're not for sale, and that's, you know, that, that will um, end up as a, a group of things. But, but something like, um, what, this is yours, isn't it? That's the burley, so that's the, oh, the, that's the, 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 yeah. the tissue transfer before yeah. it goes onto the side of the, of this, of the bowl or the, the plate or whatever. So that may well become a, a product. You Absolutely. Know, and, and then the etchings, I think we've decided to limit additions to 25, but we might, you know, we can print an edition of 25 etchings or 25 silk screens or... So, so it will be some will be available as prints. So you've got the one layer, a prototype, and then and then it becomes a product after that. Yeah. And that has yet to be done. You haven't done. Those no, we haven't things. made any editions yet. Because I think really... we. I think we did. I think we ran, we ran an edition of of um, silk screens. You know, so they printed a group while they were doing the one. But something like the digital embroidery could be quite a nice addition. Which the, the digital did... embroidery. Yeah, absolutely. That could be addition, yeah. Most of yours could be, yeah. couldn't it? Yes, it is very... I can see a whole realm of difficult explanations coming up. Digital embroidery, how would you...? Well, actually, if you, if you fast, yeah. fast track again through the, through the pictures, then there is one... Um, keep on going. That one on the top oh, back. So the one on the, the far... Right-hand side. Actually, oh, it's yes. better it's on better there because the you can actually yes. see the crossed stitch. Yes, you can. We so, can't see uh, that on our monitor. Um, and that's mm. quite a, a beautiful that's one. That's a digital oh, yes. yeah. But you also had people hand embroider it, didn't you? Um, no, those are all digital. Oh, so are the they? ones that you that yeah. came like Christmas last week, yeah. those are all the digital embroidery. So yeah. there's some amazing a range of different um, embroidery um, done by the... Um, the Fashion department mm. in, at UWE. So it's been a, it's a really interesting collaboration. Yeah. And this is a, a little film of um, of the painting machine. Um, don't think it's going to work. Are, um, you, are you having it in the exhibition in, in the fair? Yes. You, weren't you bringing one we've, up? Actually, we've got we've got an egg bot, um, which uh, we were we were demonstrating yesterday. Oh, you've done it. And you? um, but we we're gonna we'll have it uh, up and running tomorrow if, if people are around. But uh, it's it, it, I think what's again what is interesting, and you've talk, been talking about the the tools which are important as part of making. Uh, and the, the tools which are required in being able to translate an image into something which is even vaguely acceptable for a, a computer takes a lot of time and yeah. a lot of knowledge in the software, in the, in the, in the image processing and the colour separation. I mean, you were talking about Chris Prater you know, making all the colour separations, yeah. and that requires, that's a craft in itself. And he in invented itself. that. I mean, yeah. he, he knew how to silk screen, yeah. but this evolved, this, this way of doing it. Mm. And you're right, to translate something technically is similarly yes. complicated. Yeah. It's, um, yes, so there we are, back to the, what's on display up at the fair. Um, and so you've just, I mean, these are hot off the press. Well, not even off the press. But well, the, well off the, the silver <laughs> point I was working on last weekend, yeah. yeah. Is that there? Is, yeah. Is the silver point's ready? Yeah, silver point's there. The other, the other um, way of working which I, 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 I kind of went back to was, um, I always forget the name of it. It, it, it. It's like a cheap man's engraving and you pick away. It, it, it's, it's a... It's, 
it's um, china clay with a black ink, and then you you pick away the black ink. Like scraper board. Scraper board, oh, yeah. Yes. So um, I mean, it, it's yeah. it's the children's it's a children's mm, way yeah. of making a wood engraving, and that's a wonderful medium. Yes, well, it's it's also about that making that syntax, isn't it? That you you're creating those marks as you would in an in, in engraving. Yeah, you're Creating sure. those sort of half tones that. Exactly and you have to be quite skillful as well. Yeah. And also in the exhibition, are the, are the, is the woodblock ready to make the wood engraving, yeah. which I haven't done yet, and, and, a, and a lino, piece of lino, which will be the lino cut. But all the time, I, mean, I just thought I haven't done a potato cut. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, well, all the should, time I'm kind of thinking about it. We should get that set it. up for the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people could come and have a go at a potato cut. <laughs> And your wood engraving tools will come into use then, perhaps. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I, I haven't done a wood engraving recently. I'm not sure that I physically could do it anymore because be you need incredibly good eyes. Of, uh, uh, they're, they're reasonably good still but, and a very steady hand, but I'm not sure. I couldn't do it to the degree I could then. You know? yeah. And, and I, do, I don't need... You, I'm not likely to want to do it again no. either. I just wanted to know I could yeah. still, you know. Um, but, I, but I don't ever want to be a wood engraver. No. They're, they're a good breed, though, wood engraver. I'm not saying anything about wood engravers, because they're, they're a breed of their own, and they're wonderful. Yes. And, that, and well, I collect wood engravings. Wood engravings I've got some wonderful wood engravings. Really lovely wood engravings. Well, that seems like a perfect note on which to end. And thank you very much, Sabita, for giving us such a wonderful insight into how you got to what you're doing now. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this recording, feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.